For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to CHN Radio, episode 173. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. Welcome, Newcastle United fans, because we have a great thing to share with you today. We have won a match. We've beaten Burnley, but not only did we beat Burnley, but just to give this podcast a little spice, a little something extra for the fam, we have a lot of news. <laughs> and a lot of news dropped this week. So this is going to be a, a pod of all pods. And it's brought to you by me, myself. You can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. And the best damn coast in the land. You can follow him at Elijah underscore Newsome. But how are you today, dearest Elijah? Yeah, I mean, it's wild. It's It's been a day. And honestly, I was I was telling my girlfriend this. Shout out to Hales. Uh, love you. All that good stuff. Um, I was telling her, I was like, it's kind of crazy because Greg and I, like, Greg, you texted me Monday. We're like, yo, we got to record. And I was like, oh, no, dude, I can't do it tonight. And then I was like, let's do Tuesday. And then, like, Tuesday happened. We couldn't do Tuesday. And literally, Tuesday was the day all this news dropped. So it's yeah. like, it's honestly a, a blessing in disguise that we weren't able to record earlier in the week. And so now it's Wednesday night. Um, it's about, I guess it's about to be Thursday morning, uh, East Coast time. But it's honestly dope that we're able to kind of sit down, record, and digest all this news because. I don't know. I'm excited to hear your takes on some of this stuff. I'm excited to talk about some of this stuff. Um, we've got some really cool stuff regarding some of this stuff on the site right now, um, especially uh, a lot of post-match stuff. Uh, our boy Avi put up a really cool article um, kind of dissecting the 5-3-2 and looking at what's Newcastle's best midfield option in the 5-3-2. And what's surprising, Greg, here is that John Joe Shelby technically is a good midfielder in the 5-3-2 which is something that I don't think people want to hear but it has to be said so yeah. um it, it yeah so there there's that um and of course Aaron uh he's done a weekly recap of all of some of this a lot of this sort of the odds and ends we'll talk about we'll actually kind of lean in heavily on his piece there um, I wrote my my thoughts on this on this past match and I'll share some of those here in Alex Pacetti um Definitely check out his podcast, XL Jordies. It's good. It's good stuff. He also did a match a match review, and our boy Abinov has been killing it with the uh, transfer news and rumors. He's doing a preview coming up on the site soon, so I'm excited. Follow the site at Coming Up in UFC, the podcast at CHN underscore podcast, me at Elijah underscore Newsome, um, and just check out the site newcastle.com. Like that'll that'll get you there. Um, yeah, yeah. let let let's let's hop into this, dude. I'm excited to talk, man. It's gonna be a fun pod. Yeah, we're going to get into it. First thing we need to talk about is our win. Two-to-one win over Burnley. 
giving Newcastle United a, a massive, at this point, a massive six-point gap between us and Fulham. Uh, and we, we needed it. We really needed it. We were saying, like, we needed to win this because it doesn't look like that's we're going to have many opportunities against beatable teams uh, with the with how the schedule's lining up. So we did it. Uh, so we always start with our three words. After every match, we ask you all to give us three words to describe the match, and then we'll read them on this podcast so we'll start with that. Mr. Steeler Worldwide says, ASM's Burnley's daddy. Uh, Toon Army Denver, six-point gap. John Kelly, Shelby offers nothing. Elijah. Oh. Uh, Joe Terry says, Ale, Ale, Alan. <laughs> uh, Army Portland says, Alan, Alan, Alan. And then has the Alan, Alan, Alan um, uh, gif with the chipmunk or beaver or whatever it is. Uh St. Max saves by Run the Jewels, my man Smith Ostra. Eric Schmidt, ASM1. Oh, no, I can't read it, Eric. It's four words. But he, he uh, also said, I know it's four words. Like So, so now it's I, like eight or nine words. Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> I feel so bad because Eric's a, a big-time supporter of the, of yeah. the brand. Yeah, you know, it's just – It's tough. It's tough. It's the tough, tough look for All Eric. Right. Unfortunately, our, our hands are tied here, Eric. Oh, we're sorry. <laughs> Kim Avery says, finally a win. Alex Passine says, good players, good. <laughs> Maddie Harrison says, God bless Maxie. Eric says, I slept in. Uh, me too. Uh, the Peak Too Early podcast. Oh, um, okay. There, I just clicked on their podcast. It says, another two white guys with a weekly football podcast. <laughs> Actually, so, <laughs> hey, uh, we need a DM them. Get them on the CHN podcast <laughs> network. It looks like they just started started up. Oh, joined October 20. They have nine followers. So give them a follow at Pete Too Early Pod. Um, Are they doing Premier League stuff or is it Newcastle stuff? Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, oh, no. It, it looks like they're doing Premier League according to their last episode because it's talking Damn. about West Ham. We already, we already have a Premier League pod. Check them out. False Nines. Good stuff there. Um, but they said ASM gives confidence. And then Aaron, concrete sports talk, says Bruce bailed out. Hey, I do want to I want to mention one of the three words. Someone talked about Allenton Maxman and essentially relating that to his uh his his uh his performances against Burnley. Want to point out he had a goal and assist earlier this season against Burnley when we won 3 1. Uh so so far against Burnley this year, Alan St. Maxman, two goals, two assists. Not going to lie, Burnley, he might be Burnley's daddy. Like, hey, it's it's quite possible. What up, Zaddy? Uh, let's let's dive into this. So okay. um, we'll start with the lineups because we always do. Well, second after the three words is lineups because that's what we always do. So I'll read the lineup. Elijah, give your takes. So at goalie, we had Dubrovka, then Murphy, Richie, Clark, Fernandez, Dummett, Almiron, Shelby, Sean Longstaff, and then Gale and Jolinton. On the bench, we had Callum Wilson, St. Maximin, and Hendrick. We had Carol, Lewis, Kraft, Mankio, Darlow, and Willick. Floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, no one was really – I don't know. I, I think the Chronicle wrote this. Like people were excited about this lineup because you had Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maxman on the bench. Uh, I think 
you know, nothing, not much changed. I mean, we knew LaSalle's was going to be out, um, and he looks like he's probably not going to be, you know, playing the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, on a, po- a more positive note, and I guess this is an early odds and ends, a preview odds and ends, Fetty Fernandez looks to be uh, back in the picture uh, going forward. But we kind of knew uh, that we were going to be without uh, Jamal LaSalle's um, this match. So, again, not super surprising in that regard. Uh, it was cool to see, um, you know, same lineup, kind of stick with your guns. Uh, that team worked, you know, really hard. I think the hope was that Dwight Gale and Joel Linton would, uh, you know, at least play at the same level that they did before. Uh, Joel Linton had probably his best match this season against Tottenham, maybe his best match as a Newcastle player against Tottenham. And then Dwight Gale was not great, but also looked better than he had, you know, had been in other starts. So you were hoping that you could replicate a performance like that. Guys like Shelby looked good as well. Miggy looked good. Sean Longstaff looked fine. So honestly, I don't think there was a lot of complaints regarding the lineup. Um, again, the the focus was really on the bench, which is weird to say because Newcastle, that doesn't usually happen. And usually, you know, our bench players don't make an appearance until the 80th minute. But in this case, it was a big deal. We knew that Alex Maxim and Callum Wilson were probably going to play, you know, at least, you know, 35, 40 minutes. And that ended up being the case. And, you know, so everyone was super pumped that they were on the bench. Other than that, you know, business as usual, we'll want to point out, of course, Burnley, um, you know, pretty normal lineup for, for them with Vidra, who's been on a tear, and Chris Wood, who they've got to get going as they kind of close up the season. Uh, a lot of guys, Westwood, Brownhill, McNeil, you know, guys that you've been me, Tarkowski, guys you're expecting for uh, for for Burnley. But the weird thing for them was Peacock, Farrell, and Goal. Um, had an injury to their starting keeper. Uh, so, okay, you know, not much you can do there. Uh, and so you had a backup keeper and that was kind of the focus was like, you know, going in this match for Newcastle fans, it's like, Hey, Fulham has gifted us the ability to go six points clear of them. We've got a backup keeper in net against us. Pope is, he's not playing. Like we got to take advantage of this. And I mean, getting into match play, Greg, Newcastle did not take advantage of having the backup keeper there for the first half. Like Newcastle had one shot uh, in the first half. Not great at all. Not great. Uh, and let, let's let's dive into it. So it, it could have been so essentially like it could be priceless three points for Newcastle. Like this could be the decision or this could be the win that we'll think about that like could have retained our status in the premier league. And it's, it's thanks to the interventions of a substitute. Um, but last you mentioned before that uh, it was not, <laughs> it, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was going to go well. So the first, the, what, what is it? Like, it, it was like an insane amount of like, like all, like the first, however many shots in the match were all Burnley. Um, yeah. And I was saying, remember, I said, like, I think Newcastle, I did predict that we would lose. Uh, what was your final prediction? Was it I'm two pretty goals? sure I said 2 1 win? Yeah, you're you've been killing it. Um, if any, if there's any betters, listen to Elijah's predictions. Hey, um, I will but, say, uh, someone tweeted at me, I forgot who it was. It's a, it, and I, I feel so bad because it's a long time CHN uh radio and coming up Newcastle supporter, but they had talked about turning off the match. I was like, 
hey, I don't know. Like, you know, there's always the prospect that Alan St. Maxman could do something special. And <laughs> lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so coming home, Nostradamus might have to make a reappearance. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, – I said that, oh, you know, Newcastle scored in their last three shots. And I said, like, they will also score in their fourth. Um, that didn't happen, but – they got two goals and they won. So I prefer that. Uh, so it was essentially like the first half hour was like literally like, what's a word to describe it? Like pitiful, like disgusting. <laughs> it was not good. Like we, I mean, I think it was, it was honestly a little bit di- disappointing because you had yeah. the same formation. You were doing the same things. It just wasn't working. And part of that was like, I think a lot of, you know, statistics guys and and gals were were saying that Newcastle can't approach this match the exact same way as Tottenham because while Tottenham is completely fine with Newcastle swinging balls and we dominated in that regard and that was a big reason why Newcastle were able to come away with the result there Burnley is like the one team and we talk about this all the time the one team in the Premier League you just don't want to try to you know swing in balls to or you know, play your hoof and all that kind of crap with because like their entire back line is literally built for, you know, long balls. Like that's how they play. Like that's what they're going up against in practice all the time. So you just don't want to do what Newcastle were doing in the first half, which they were trying to play long balls in behind uh, Joel Linton and Dwight Gale against center backs that were comfortable sitting back and, you know, marking these guys and making sure that they couldn't do anything with the ball or just not get the ball at yeah, all. We were just struggling to even pass it. It was brutal. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely brutal. And, and um, Dubrovka made some great, great saves early on, but then eventually it, 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 it caved and, and Burnley got the early goal. So they were pushed to the left side and Chris Wood pretty much manned up Karen Clark and Federico Fernandez. And then, he pulled the back ball back to Matej and oh, very pretty straightforward, easy goal, one nothing Burnley. Um, and you know, you, you start to the signs start to see on the wall. And I probably would have been the one, the ones thinking what I was thinking, and you were probably the one saying, like, well, just wait till St. Maximin comes on. Any thoughts on that play and goal? Yeah, I mean, Jacob Murphy gets beat there, uh, for, for that goal, and that's not that's not what you want to see. Uh, a rough start for, for Jacob Murphy, but honestly, like if anyone had a redemption, like if you look at a complete arc of the game, Jacob Murphy's one of those players that started off rough, but you know, that was an 18th minute goal. And honestly, since the 18th minute, <laughs> he actually, you know, played really well. So, I mean, you know, it happens. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it was, it was bad defending all around. And it was one of those where, uh, like, if I remember this correctly, like the, the ball goes through like three Newcastle defenders and no one like Vidra's completely unmarked. It was just not yeah. a good goal to give up and kind of, yeah, he, drew in, he definitely drew in Clark and Fernandez. Yeah. Um, and and, and Dummett, Dummett was not tracking Vidra. Uh, yeah, in the box. I, I mean, in, in, like and at goal, all, and and Shelby let him run right past him. Yeah, it there was, and, and again, it's one of those things where, like, I I mentioned this in my three takeaways. Like the the issue that plagues Newcastle the most is still just defensive errors, and that's just stuff we didn't see on Rafa. 
like, and it's not like a knock on Bruce or anything. It's just like a difference of what the managers kind of like value. And Rafa was very serious about defensive solidity. And yeah. like, you did not see Newcastle. If they got scored on, it was a fucking well-worked goal. I don't know if I could say that, but I did. So we're, we're just rocking. It was a well-worked goal. Like you didn't see a lot of like guys, you know, we played the back three, back five. You don't see a lot of guys getting beat the way that Newcastle defenders have been getting beat in the yeah. past two seasons. Like you didn't see guys, you know, just, you know, pussyfooting around in the box, like trying to clear the ball. If we needed to clear the ball, they cleared the ball. Like it was very much like def- defense first, offense second. And Steve Bruce is very much the opposite where, you know, Newcastle are a little bit more risky on offense. They take a lot of risks. Um, they try to get forward when they can, uh, but defense has just been woeful uh, at, under under Bruce, and there's a lot of individual errors. And, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, one player consistently making mistakes. Like, you know, it's it maybe a meal craft. You can single him out. But when you have so many players making individual errors where you can go down the list, you could, ba- you could basically go down Newcastle's roster and literally pick and choose a goal that, that – like, I'm thinking in my head – Alan St. Maxman, red, like, was a red card or penalty against Brighton last season, tried to take down Tariq Lamptey. Miguel Marlini failed to clear the ball um, earlier this season, and it basically, like, he lost possession. And boom, John Joe Shelby. There's so many examples with John Joe. It's, it's actually ridiculous. Like, you can literally go player by player and point to individual errors they, they, that they made that led directly to a goal. Sean Longstaff's another one, and it's like, that just didn't happen under Rafa. And it's something that we have to get used to under the, in the Bruce era, but it's honestly, it's, it's quite annoying. And it's, it's, it's frustrating to say the least, because like this could have been a two nil win. Like it should have been a two nil win, um, but it wasn't purely because of defensive error um, that could have been addressed in training or, or whatever. Yeah. So then uh, uh, moving on from that, uh, Dwight Gale tried to, as the first, Chance of us like actually getting on the front foot, foot, and he put the ball in the net, but it was deemed offsides. You know, it was very close. It was barely offsides. Yeah, and uh, then then we had the the first. I mean, it was kind of crazy. It's crazy. Uh, is the Sean Longstaff kick to the face? Yeah, that was. Um, so it was. Not only was it looked like a dangerous play. But they ruled it out because the defender did not know that Sean Longstaff was behind him and kicked him in the face. But like oh no, don't worry. No, they also they also the other thing was Sean Longstaff intentionally put his head down forward. Yeah. That was the other thing. And it was like he was like, I don't hit the ball into the net. Yeah, like I don't know what you want him to do there. The dude's trying to head the ball. It's a it's off a corner. So yeah. oh god, it was yeah, that was bad. I think still a terrible decision. And it even made it worse when he like it was in the second half. He like a pretty much identical challenge happened to him and they awarded a free kick. And I was just like yeah. and it was like outside the box, like like in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the Yeah, it was pitch. in the middle of the pitch. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, like so. What's going on here? You, you know uh, it's bad when like the the BBC and Sky Sports and NBC pundits all are like, "Dang, that should have been a penalty." Like, yeah. And and honestly, what's it? And again, like we can kind of make fun of this because Newcastle ended up winning, but it's just kind of funny because it's like I'm thinking I'm like I li- literally as soon as it happened I was like you know this is going to VAR blah blah, blah. who's going to take this penalty because um. Like Callum Wilson wasn't on the pitch. 
So like, yeah, it was it was looking it was setting up to be a Matt Ritchie missed penalty, uh, <laughs> which is not great. And again, I mean that's that. I mean that's a whole nother situation. Like who takes the penalty? But again, we didn't have to deal with that. But it was it was just funny to be like, yeah, I mean, yes, of course, this should be a penalty. But like, you almost rather they they don't award the penalty because you'll just be pissed that Matt Ritchie or John Joe Selvey hits it straight at the keeper. Yeah. Yeah, um, going into the second half, it was no, there was no changes, but there was no no progress either. So we saw Wilson and Alan St. Maximin come in to replace the top two. Um, and let's talk about the goal. So um, shortly after St. Maximin's getting subbed on, he got – to the right hand of like the edge of the box and then, or like of the um, end line. And then he was like twisting back and forth, playing around with the defenders. And he essentially just was teeing up Jacob Murphy. Like he was doing a lot of flair to get more defenders to collapse on him and then pass it off to Jacob Murphy. So he could step into it and get a great shot. It was a great shot by Jacob Murphy to score the goal. What's your, what's your thought on that goal to tie it up? Elijah. It's a, it's one of, it's honestly going, it, it's an underrated, yeah, like really good goal because Jacob Murphy hits that damn near first time. It's a stinger into the top left hand oh, corner. Like it, it, it's a good goal. Uh, and again, uh, and, and one of the, and the NBC commentators pointed this out. Like it's, it's a bit of maturity for sure from, from Alan St. Axman, who normally in that situation would try to, taken on himself. And that's something that we noticed at the end of project restart. Uh, I remember he had that two or three assists the game against Southampton. Uh, and everyone's like, okay, like we understand, like he, it seems like he's starting to get it. Like you can trust your teammates to score goals. And so it was cool to see that happen again here with a player like Jacob Murphy, usually Alan St. Maxman. And again, this season he's done it a couple times with Joe Willick, um, Miguel Amiron, uh, Cal Wilson, like there's certain players he's like, all right, I trust you to score. So it's cool to see like Jacob Murphy's been added into that list. Um, yeah. Again, good goal. Um, definitely Newcastle. Sort of, it felt like they were on the front foot after this goal. Uh, the 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 bringing on of Alan St. Maxman, Cal Wilson for Joe Linton and Dwight Gale, who again offered literally nothing. Uh, it, it, the whole team changed. Everyone started playing better. Sean Longstaff, I think I point to him as a perfect example of this, where Sean Longstaff was a bit of a ghost in the first half. But as soon as those two got subbed on, I mean, you saw Sean Longstaff making tackles. You saw him pressing. You saw him all – and it was the same thing for everyone. So it was really cool just, like, knowing that, like – I wouldn't say it's cool, but it's just, like, there was a certain energy that was brought into the pitch when Cal Molson and Alex Maxman came on because I I genuinely feel like the Newcastle players thought – okay, wait, we can go out and win this. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility for us to win this match because we got our guys on. We got the big three on. So it was cool to see that. Um, again, great assist. Um, well worked by Alan St. Maxman. Uh, good on him. Good on Jacob Murphy for finishing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the second goal because it was just a few minutes later. Five minutes. John Joe Selby picks up the ball. Got an assist on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Passes assist Alan- doing nothing. Right, passes it to Alan St. Maximin in the middle of the pitch, and he did his best version of Hayden Panarfa. Uh, turned 
and he absolutely burned. I can't remember which defender, but basically all the defenders. And it is so funny watching it. There's a really cool camera angle, like the drone camera angle or something where you just see the defenders see him get the ball, realize they're not close enough to defend. So they just retreated all of them. They're like, Oh shit. And uh, Alan St. Maxon made the most of it. He, uh, he was able to find his space, kept it near post goal, ran into the defender's like two to one. Uh, I can't do the dance, but he definitely did not do the dance correctly on a celebration. Just shout out to that. But Oh, whoa. Okay. I didn't know we had an expert on crip walking in the building. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't crip, but he was just on his toes the whole time. It's heel toe ASM heel toe. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Okay. I love that. I mean, uh, the well, true like, black and white. Sometimes Elijah sometimes is confused with like, he sees white, but he still gets confused every time when I understand <laughs> some things that may not be white. <laughs> but what's your thoughts on the play, Elijah? Okay, and, and would you be willing to crit walk for us? Okay, no, um, I'm not curb walking. One, I can't curb walk. I'm, 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 uh, I'm not good at dancing. Uh, two, great goal. I mean, Alan St. Maxman, pretty, is, pretty great goal. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, he he's good. Uh, I mentioned this, uh, and and again, I'll probably get into this a little bit later, but I, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent because we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. But um, it's Newcastle, and I mentioned this last week, I think. There's just no hope of survival without Allison, Maxman, Callum Wilson, and McGonagher. It's yeah. just literally, it's not even like a, like, oh, we're saying this because it's legitimately a fact. Newcastle have not won a game without, you know, at least one of those three making an appearance. Um, you know, and I think if only one of them has made an appearance, they don't win. So, like, it has to be at least two out of the three of them making an appearance for Newcastle to even win a match. And at this point in the season – um, and honestly, in the Premier League in general, you what you need is not, uh, you know, you know, it's you need points. You you don't need like you know draw. You you need wins. Yeah, and, and as many points as possible. So uh, this is a perfect example of like Newcastle. If uh, Alante Maxman is not on the pitch, like they they don't pick up points. Like. You, it's just like a perfect example. Of like, yeah, you need Allison Max, you need Callum Wilson, you need McGalmer, you need all three of them on the pitch together in order to give your chance yourself a chance of survival. So it was really cool to see. Yeah, and for the first time, we got to enjoy like in this match entirety. Like, we just got to enjoy a Newcastle win. Like right now, being a Newcastle fan is more about rooting against Brighton or Fulham than it is rooting for Newcastle. <laughs> so, like, this is a rare time where we could actually see and enjoy Newcastle winning and it being – and that's all we have to worry about. So, uh, good on us. We got the win. Elijah, you good if you we go to quotes? Yeah, let's, let's uh, hit up quotes. Let's hit it up. So, going to quotes, Steve Bruce said, uh, I will say it, it was – I will say it was a tactical masterclass. They've had big injuries. You see what we've missed. No, no stop. I, honestly, wait, no, stop. I did not know that was a quote. Yeah. Like you're, you're. No, he called that a tactical masterclass. Yeah, he said. I will say it was a tactical masterclass. From who? From like yeah. Burnley? No, he said. He said they've had big injuries. You've seen what we've missed. It's not rocket science. We need our best players. Um, that's what he said. That's the quote. Okay. But like, given that quote, 
like Steve Bruce's idea of a tactical masterclass is yeah. simply subbing on two of your best players. Like yeah. that's it. Like that's all he did. Like nothing else changed about Newcastle. He literally just subbed on two oh, good I've, players. I I have something I've I think something even better is about to come, Elijah. Are you ready oh, for it? Okay. I I he mean said, I don't know how it can get better. But oh no, it's about to. Uh, he said this one is big, but there's still a bit to go. Certainly it's a helping hand. It's an important game, so to win it was very good. It's been very difficult with our injuries. You can see what Alan St. Maxman brings to the team. We've missed that bit of quality and excitement. He said, <clears throat> we can't get carried away, but back-to-back wins in the Premier League is huge. Oh, gosh. That it is- sets us up nicely. We've got some tough challenges. <laughs> this really helps. So, uh, in case you're new here, uh, we did not win back-to-back in the Premier League. Yeah, Our manager we, does not know that. We <laughs> had a draw last, but uh, I just wanted to share. Yeah, that. draw and a win uh, means back-to-back. But I guess, I guess it counts as a win if it's against Tottenham. Yeah, you know, they're, I guess they're that, the top six. by his logic, I think that's what he's going with. So, yeah, I just wanted to share those things. I think it was just wonderfully worth it to mention those. The tactical masterclass. And the fact that he doesn't know if we've won or drawn any match. Okay. Going to stats. Um, Dwight Gale. 100 league appearances for Newcastle. Good for him. Congrats to him. Yeah. Uh, Alan St. Maximin is the fourth Newcastle player to score in the Premier League this season. After arriving from the bench. We just had this trivia question, Elijah. But who are the other three players to score no, for Newcastle no, I, I, after I arriving from the sub. You you did it. It was the last last episode. Oh gosh. That was so long ago. It was so who last scored week. the last match from the bench? Okay. From the bench it was Joe Willock. Yep. From the bench. And now you I'm know gonna go- Maxian. And then who were the other two? Papi Cisse? No, no, this year. Oh this year. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going all time. Who scored from the bench from Newcastle? All time. Um, okay, from the bench this year. Um, last year would have been Florian Lejeune, but that's not that's not the question. Man. Um, from the bench this year, Miguel Amarone was nope. one of them. <laughs> that's nope. what you said last week too. <laughs> but I feel like when he scored his first goal, he came off the bench this it's, season. It's definitely not him. Okay. Um. One is Fabian Cher. Nope. I think I said that last time, too. I think you did, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jacob Murphy. No, no. Matt. No, it's not Matt Ritchie. It's, My uh, friend, one hint is it, it's the goal of the year. Oh, oh yes. Andy Carroll. <laughs> I, I actually got that the last time, too. No, you didn't. I, you didn't. No, I thought. I thought our, I okay. I didn't. I th- I I remember the other person. And I had to give you the hint on Andy Carroll. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess yeah that because I did remember Andy Carroll scored a banger. Off and the then bench. the other person is Dwight Gale. Yeah. Okay. I knew. Well, yeah. Okay. Dwight well, Gale was West Brom at home. Andy Carroll, Lester at home, and Joe Willock Spurs. Yeah, Lester, where we lost two one. Yeah, it didn't yeah. matter. Oh, that might have been. <laughs> that was two. funny because we literally just did it last week. But I, Dude, why would yeah. you remember it? Um, yeah, and uh, I think we mentioned this before. No, we mentioned it at, during this pod. But ASM scored against Burnley for the second time this season, and now has three in the Premier League. Um, the other is at Manchester United. 
Yeah, um, it's kind of wild. It's basically, half of his assists and two thirds of his goals have come against Burnley. <laughs> yeah, and um, Jacob Murphy netted his third goal for Newcastle this season in all comps. Uh, he had a goal against Morecambe in the League Cup, Wolves yeah. in the Premier League, and now this. By the one... way, Morecambe one was a banger too. That was a free kick, snuck yep. in the uh, bottom corner. So he scores. He actually only scores bangers. That's uh, yeah. what I've heard. Um, beating Burnley for the second time, we have our second Premier League double of the season. Um, now we have four away wins in the Premier League, scoring twice after halftime each time. Trivia, Elijah. Okay. <laughs> Who did we beat in our four away wins? We know Burnley. Who's the other three? We have a double against this team already. We have a double against Burnley and one other team. Which one is it? Um, Southampton? No. Okay. Um, Little Arms. Oh, yes, Everton. I, <laughs> that's crazy, yep. honestly. And the last and last one, the first one, they, they, they didn't start Pickford. And then the last one, they started Pickford. Yep. <laughs> I remember saying before that, I was like, if anyone could turn Newcastle season around, it's Jordan Pickford. Yep. And he did. <laughs> um, okay, away wins this season. Both 2-0 wins. Scored the goals after halftime. Uh, Palace is one of them. Yep. Um, okay. First match. Oh, West Ham. Yeah. That was yeah. Okay, because uh, Callum Wilson always scores against West Ham. Yep. <laughs> That's that. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, actually. You know what? Hey. You know what? Let's give me a little shout out because that wasn't bad. Like yeah, I, I was, bad. I was pretty close on 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 most of those. Okay. Yeah. Um, we also came from behind to win the Premier League for the first time this season. There was two comebacks of that in the 1920 season. We did it against Burnmouth and Southampton, um, but it was two to one against Spurs in December of 2015 was the last time Newcastle United were trailing in a Premier League away match and took three points. 2015 yeah. was the last time we've done that. So pretty impressive win from like the, just the rarity of it going to expected goals um uh, we for the second consecutive match we oh no sorry i read this wrong we lost in expected goals um so i thought we were i thought we would have won and i was just reading it wrong until now but Burnley had 1.84 to our 1.34 um so they're pretty much saying it's like a two to one or a one to one match um elijah any chance any suggestion on who had the best XG? Uh, neither one of the goals were great. Someone had a big miss. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, did. someone. Someone. Ha- who was that? Wait, mm, I think Joel Linton, maybe. No, no. It, Gale, maybe. Yes, Dwight Gale had 0.67. He was the highest. You're yeah, right. Gale. Gale. Uh, Good. I mean, Three I feel shots. I. I do feel bad for uh, NUFC 360 who just like suck off Dwight Gale and everyone not named Miguel and Joel Linton because like Dwight Gale two weeks in a row could have scored tap-ins and just like yeah. did. Yeah. And so so um, tough luck for the, uh, the, the, the guys over at 360. <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
Um, the most expected assist is goes to Jacob Murphy, who was able to feed Dwight Gale in one of those instances. Um, and then going to some more stats, uh, Burnley had 49% of the chances. Uh, they had 24 shots to our 10, uh, but we had more shots on target than them. They had 24 shots. We had 10. We had five on target to their four. <laughs> Not good if you're Burnley. Um, they had 13 passes within 20 yards of our goal. Uh, and that's excluding crosses. These are just straight up passes to our three. Um, so Burnley definitely attacked way harder. PBDA, good for both teams. 9.1 for Burnley, 14.15 for Newcastle. And expected points, Newcastle expected to have 1.02, Burnley 1.72. So slight advantage, but XG is basically saying it's a draw here. And then lastly, going to 538, um, we uh, this predicts how the season will end. And got to tell you, y'all, it's looking a little bit better. Um, so for the end of the season, they're saying that Newcastle will be safe by five points. We'll have 38 points to Fulham's 33. Um, I do have some sad news to report because it is now official. Newcastle United cannot no longer qualify for the Champions League. Damn it. Yeah. I was looking forward to champ, Champo. Yeah, Champo, so we are out. Um, but last time we talked, there was a 36% chance that Newcastle United would be relegated. Now it's a 15% chance. Um, That's crazy. Fulham having an 81% chance, West Brom 97, and Sheffield greater than 99% of <laughs> getting relegated. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, I do want to give just a quick update because we don't really talk about this a lot, but it was – it was a, an interesting weekend for the bottom the bottom half of the table. Um, we could have a situation like last season where at this point, I want to say Watford were in like 17th and ended up getting relegated. Uh, yeah, good call out. And Aston Villa so, went on the run. Yeah, and so we're, we're in a point where that could happen. Um, and I'm curious to see what which teams go on a run because uh, – and I, I wrote about this in my, uh, in my you know, three thoughts, but – you know, Fulham, of course, heartbreaking loss against Wolverhampton, which, you know, put the, the, the gap at six points. West Brom won, uh, which, again, like, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, hey, look out for West Brom. I mean, they're, they're still, you know, you know, I think they're seven or eight points off the, off the mark. But, you know, they could maybe go on a baby run, who knows. But they've got out of the bottom six – They've got probably the hardest schedule down the road. Like they play, they basically play no team in the lower after the table. They play like Leeds as their easiest match, and Leeds are the Leeds are going to beat them. Um, and even if they do win, like they have to play like an absurd like Liverpool and Man. Like they've got to play a bunch of teams. Um, but Southampton not in a, the best run of form. Three losses, two wins in their past five. Uh, Brighton are sort of regressing back to the mean. They they won two matches in a row, but it was against Southampton and Newcastle. And since then, they still are struggling to score goals. We are obviously know the situations with Newcastle and Fulham. Um, so it's it's a weird uh, end of the season because everyone has very similar schedules. Everyone is playing, you know, in their last ten or so matches, they're playing like six or like uh, you know anywhere between four to six, you know, top six upper half of the table sides, you know, your Man Cities, your Liverpools, your Man United, your Arsenals, well, Arsenal traditionally, but they're playing 
on paper big six teams. Um, and then they're also playing like relegation fodder. So it is going to be interesting to see how this, this season ends because like a lot of teams, a lot of these bottom seven teams, you're playing, you know, Sheffield, they're playing Newcastle, they're playing Fulham. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, I think there's going to be a lot more movement than people expect. Like, I don't think it's going to end with Newcastle in 17th and Fulham in 18th. I think there's legitimate potential that like Brighton could drop. I think there's legitimate potential that, you know, I don't know, Burnley could drop as well. Like a lot of the, like, it's not an easy schedule for Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle, and Fulham to close out the season. And for sure, West Brom, I mean, they'd have to go on a miraculous run in order to, to make things interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, so Elijah, let's wrap this up and we'll get into some NFC and UFC news. But before we do, who was your man of the match? Yeah, I think it's easy to go Alan St. Maxman. And I've held I've I've said I've held this point for a while, and I said it earlier. It's really hard for Newcastle not to win. Uh, you know, sorry, it's really hard for Newcastle to win without their three best players. But I think I'll leave the Alan St. Maxman, you know, sucking off to you. And everyone else who wants to talk about Alton Maxman, I want to give a shout out to Martin Dubrovka. Uh, two or three literal just like yeah. saves that kept this in the match altogether. Um, I do think without Martin in goal, and and you, I mean, and again, Car Darlow is serviceable. I mean, you could argue Car Darlow makes some of those saves as well, but I think that it's just so important to recognize that out of the bottom seven teams, Newcastle have the advantage and they have the best keeper out of the bottom seven teams. Like it's without a doubt, they have the best striker out of the bottom seven teams and they have the most dynamic player in Alan St. Maxman out of the bottom seven teams. So you have to think as a Newcastle fan that the odds are sort of in your favor because you legitimately have like all of the players that everyone in that bottom seven and arguably, you know, mid table sides would want. So yeah. again, Martin Dubrovka, I think he came up huge and clutch for us. Again, it's not going to get talked about because, you know, Allison Maxman sold the headlines, but I think it's worth mentioning. Well, I I mean it the call out is Alan St. Maxman. I mean, he changed this game single handed. Like, no, like literally, you're right. <laughs> he single he, he got the game tying assist and the game winning goal. Like it legitimately he changed the, the game. Yeah, absolutely. So uh who scored gives the ratings of players that got seven or higher. Uh will they give the range for all? Just shout out. For you and UFC 360 fans, Dwight Gale, lowest score of any Newcastle player. And yes, that is lower than Jeff Hendrick, who played two minutes. Uh, Dwight Gale had a 5.88. But seven Newcastle players with a seven or higher. So I'll name those Kieran Clark, John Joe Shelby. They both had uh, Kieran Clark at 7.06, John Joe Shelley 7.08, Federico Fernandez 7.47, really good. Jacob Murphy 7.62, Paul Dummett 7.64, Martin Dubrovka 7.64, and Alan St. Maxman with an 8.03, which is really good. Um, congrats to all those players. Good match overall. Do you want do you want something that's going to blow your mind? Um, the Fot Mob ratings, which again, ratings are subjective. Who scored, I think, is the best, but Fot Mob, I think they're hit or miss. Uh, you know who their man in the match was? Jojo Shelby, 8.5. 8.5? Yeah. 
Yeah, you very rarely see an eight five and who scored. <laughs> I think it, it's it's crazy because it, I think it's literally because he got the assist and he had three chances created, um, and he had thirty nine accurate passes. I think the the like thirty nine passes, even though twenty six of them were in his own half, that's just gonna bump your rating in the in the old fought mob for me. And also, he completed sixty five percent of his passes, which wouldn't be that of somebody who gets an 8.5. Oh yeah, no, it that's not good. Like I, it's insane. I do think it's just literally the number of passes. But Alan St. Maxman had an 8.3 in Fot Mob. So it's weird that John Joe had the 8.5, but I'm not going to yeah. complain. We got the win. Unsung heroes, I would say uh, Sean Longstaff for sure. Uh Paul Dummett, uh Fernandez and then again I mentioned Jacob Murphy improving as the game went along. I mean, it, it's hard to – like, again, it's really – you can make that argument very easily because he started off giving up the goal, essentially, one of the players who gave up the goal, and then uh, he scored the game-tying goal. So, yeah, not surprising that he was it coach, sort of an unsung hero. I don't know. Anything else we need to, to discuss regarding this match? Um, no. Let's take a break. We have a lot of news to cover, so let's do it. Right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay. We got a lot to get into here. Yeah. Um, and the first thing that we should discuss, well, really the main thing to discuss is this takeover, all the takeover updates, another takeover podcast of our 173, 158 of them maybe mentioned takeover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so and unfortunately, it is crazy is that like 140 of those 158 are not Saudi takeover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just random rumors. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we have the first thing to talk about that we didn't get to last week is the 1892 pledge. So it is what Newcastle, the supporters of Newcastle United say are, is the most ambitious fan led project in English football history. Uh, essentially they're looking to take a stake in the future of Newcastle United. Um, yeah, so they're asking people to donate their money to get a stake in the club. Uh, we've actually talked about like fan ownership, and Elijah, like, what was your take on this? Yeah, I mean, they're vying for like a one percent stake, which is like roughly like I think it's like a little over a million. They needed, you know, essentially almost everyone who's a season ticket holder to support. Um, they, you know, this in some capacity, they actually achieved that goal today. Uh, they got all of St. Uh, you know, all of St. James to pledge, um, in this regard. But again, I think it's a cool, it's a cool thing, whether it will work or not is definitely largely dependent on who's owning Newcastle over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, I mean, like, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty and talk about, no, oh, you need this much to be a board member, but I do think like the, the, the I don't know the symbolic nature of it um, and having like a say as a fan group even if it's not on the board of directors but just 
having your name in the in the mixer as a owner of the club is important. I think it's 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 a good and worthwhile cause, and I hope that it works out for them. I think maybe I might donate as well. Um, you know what? What you know? Whatever. It, I'm I'm in a good position. I'm able to donate, so why not? Um, so yeah, I mean, good for them. Uh, Alex over at NFC Trust as the the current sort of chairperson of the board, he has absolutely killed it the past few years. Um, shout out to him. Uh, this is a really cool thing. And again, like I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty about oh whether or not this legitimately gives these folks a voice, but. You know, when a lot of people sat on their asses complaining about Mike Ashley, the trust did something in order to, uh, you know, actually move them in a direction where they're legitimately going to have to be taken seriously as a supporters trust. You have to take this group seriously now that they potentially could have, you know, ownership in the club. And again, want to point out, it's not a lot. It's 1%. But again, that's better than nothing, which is what the trust had before. Yeah. Yeah, I that's a, actually a, a pretty good take. Uh, I my my take is aligned is like it it would be pretty meaningless uh, with decision making, but it the fact is that you have a seat at the table now where you don't currently um, now. And then shout out to Warren Barton, he's one of the guardians of the fund. Friend of the pod, Warren Barton is is a guardian. Uh, Ian Mearns Mearns is a politician for Gateshead, George Calkin, who we know is reported for the athletic and Lee humble. Who's the chartered accountant. They are the guardians of the fund. So yeah. Shout out and, to and, our man, Warren Barton for, and there's, there's a lot of folks who have definitely publicly declared that they like, there's some players, oh, yeah, yeah. players, Alan Shearer mentioned it. Uh, Rob Lee, I think mentioned it as well. There's some, there's some guys who've, who've stated their support of it. Obviously Warren did as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's cool. I honestly think like, nothing can go wrong again it's a trust it's a it's it's a it's a pledge so like with pledges and trust and things like that enter at your own risk you kind of know that like best case scenario this is going to happen etc xyz they're very clear about that worst case scenario you pledge five bucks or five pounds like who cares so again really good for them but that was honestly just the beginning of a wild takeover weekend um kind of or really kind of takeover week and so you want to hop into the uh, the next sort of takeover story yeah the next one's a big one uh there is government documents just really showed how close a decision really was um like it, it was virtually done so just some timelines um it started april 21st of 2020 where the premier league confirmed that they are beginning the owners and directors test. Uh, then the next timeline uh, is June 12th, where the Premier League was asked to confirm or deny a decision on the takeover. And if it was eminent, the Premier League responded that day, telling the group that they were on a call regarding the matter and that confidentially we are not expecting a decision today nor eminently. Just one week later, an email was sent citing departmental sources who believed a decision could be made that day. The email noted that the secretary of state is set to set to feature on BBC radio fours, any questions later in the day. So it would obviously be good to have a heads up. And the premier league responded to that email saying there is not going to be any decision today. So not sure where that is coming from. Um, So then 
two days after that, they write to Premier League. The DCMS again wrote to the Premier League with the understanding that the decision is eminent now. They're just peppering them. Um, then on June 21st, so that same day, so that was at 4.35 p.m., the DCMS wrote to the Premier League saying that the decision is eminent. It notes that there is a senior cross Whitehall meeting on June 22nd on the topic of Saudi Arabia and asked for an update from the Premier League in advance. Um, five hours after that, four and a half hours after that, the Premier League confirms that a decision on the takeover is possible the following day. So it is worth letting people know that a meeting may be needed. That is on June 21st of 2020. Um, and that's the last update. Like it was literally June 22nd, the Premier League saying, yeah, it's a decision could be made. <laughs> um, Elijah, your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there was also just kind of talks about, uh, you know, the British government sort of confirming themselves that they felt in their personal opinion that the PIF and the Saudi Arabian government were separate entities. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, it's wild. Uh, it's kind of crazy kind of looking back on it, how much, I mean, I know our podcast, we were very much like, you know, when someone says the decision's imminent in, you know, the summer, we, we took it with a grain of salt. Um, as I mean, I've, as I feel most people should, um, and it's, I guess it's cool to be sort of wrong in this situation, uh, because like, again, like it was actually imminent, like there should have been by all means, some sort of, uh, you know, announcement or statement made, but it, it wasn't. And, uh, that's kind of what, where we're at now, where it's like, you know, the, the onus is on the premier league to sort of, as these documents come out, sort of figure out, you know, well, what are we going to do here? Um, are we going to, you know, double down and just cave into the fact that like we made some some promises and and said there was decision imminent and we know the British government sort of wants to push us through and I know Greg, you're going to bring up some other information or does the Premier League kind of stand pat with you know Qatar and be in sports and just say this is not happening? So it the ball is really in the Premier League's court. I'm curious to see what happens after this. I, I don't have an opinion or or I can't give you a prediction as to what I think would happen. We're beyond that point. We're at the point of literally no return. Like, I, I have no idea what happens at this point. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm curious. Uh, yeah. So, sure. Well, I, it was cool news to see. It was interesting to see how everything sort of unfolded. And honestly, grateful that we decided not to record last night. We would have <laughs> missed all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the... Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, that was the next, the, the big piece too. He urged Boris Johnson to intervene in the takeover and even threatened political relations between England and Saudi Arabia if the deal wouldn't take place. That's a, a exclusive from Craig Hope. Just crazy all around, like what's been going on. There's a quote about Mike Ashley said, uh, said that in Mike's eyes, the club is sold. He feels Newcastle fans won the lottery, but were denied a payout by the Premier League. He wants to know why that happened and is determined for the deal to be signed off. Just like crazy how far we've come. Only Newcastle United, only Newcastle United can get to this. Yeah. Um, is there, Elijah, is there anything else you want to say to this before we get into some odds and ends? No, honestly, it's just, it's just 
it's honestly just crazy how um, how big this has blown, it, uh, how big this has gone. And it is wild that the crown prince was basically like forcing the uh, British government to sort of push this through, which is something that we mentioned a while ago that like one of the concerns when you're dealing with a, a, a foreign governing body is that like, you know, a lot of this goes beyond the premier league. It goes to a level of like, this is now a a trade situation between Saudi Arabia and England. And England has to make a decision as to how valuable is Saudi Arabia as a trade partner. And that is, it's crazy because football is literally the last thing on their mind. But ultimately that is like what, you know, that that's like the actual deciding factor is like, Yes, if if the UK values, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia as a trade partner, this takeover will just get pushed through, regardless of what the Premier League wants, regardless of what Qatar wants, regardless of what BN Sports wants. It's going to get pushed through because Premier League is in the UK, and like there's 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 levels to this stuff. Um, so it's it's interesting to see like we're at that point where we actually see what you know you and I were kind of alluding to in the past coming to fruition. Like we mentioned that this could go come down to a, you know, Premier League sort of getting forced to make this go through, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. It's there. It's happening. So the ball is completely in the Premier League's court. Uh, Nick DeMarco is, of course, I'm sure this is good news for him uh, as he sort of fights the the good fight, as some people might say, um, trying to make this, this deal happen. But – I mean, I don't know. There's nothing else any of us can really add to this. Yeah, it's cool to see though that um, that you know stuff is getting out. And I, I NFC 360 mentioned this, but Andy Musgrove himself mentioned this as well. This is something that like Andy Musgrove has been trying to get these documents published for months now. So I mean, <laughs> shout out to him because that's that's a tough cookie, uh, and it's a tough gig to try to get you know, concealed in private documents published uh, just for the sake of, of good journalism. So shout out to you, Andy. Uh, good read, good article. Um, you know, hopefully everything works out for Newcastle. Yeah. All right. Going to odds and ends. Uh, the club shop closed. That was some news. Uh, it turns out that, so just to remember when people say the club shop closed, it is a sports direct store, not the club shop. Thanks to Mike Ashley, uh, but the employees were told that they were being laid off uh, because the new owners didn't want to retain their services. So that was another takeover update saying like, oh, who is Mohammed bin Salman, the new owner or something? Uh, No, it's Castor. Uh, (laughs) So Castor is apparently taking over that shop and they didn't want any of the sports direct people there. So the new kit provider, um, that's what the Chronicle and the Mail were reporting that it will be their shop again. Not not surprising, like in any regard. But people were trying to make this a takeover story. But yeah. like, if you're Castor and you're the new, if you're making a bunch of merch, but I guess I can also see why people are like, "Oh, what does this mean?" Because again, like Newcastle have had multiple kit providers under Mike Ashley, and it's still always been a Sports Direct shop. Shop. So yeah. You know, it is, you know, hey, look at it with the uh, rose rose colored goggles and you might see what you want to see. Yeah, um, but it's still possible. They've had multiple kit providers and they've still had a sports direct shop. But then those kit providers, Mike actually wasn't an investor in Castor, though. He is an investor in. 
It's a win-win for Mr. Ashley. Uh, Elijah, update me on Jacob Murphy. Yeah, so there's talks about Jacob Murphy potentially getting a new deal at Newcastle. Um, unsurprising, uh, it always seems like a player after a good performance gets is, is rumored to get a new deal. Um, also, some talks about him potentially, uh, you know, there's some other clubs interested in him. Uh, I want to say it's like Watford and a couple other just like mid to low table or recently promoted sides. Nothing crazy. But something to uh, to, to mo- point out, it's Rangers, Southampton, and Watford are the are three clubs interested in Jacob Murphy. So um, it seems like, you know, in the near future, a Jacob Murphy contract extension could be announced by the club. But, again, don't want to make any assumptions. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, what about Joe Willick? Joe Willick, um, a shout out to Abinov who wrote a good story in this. There is um, Joe Willick. It seems like Arsenal really are pushing for him to remain at Newcastle for the foreseeable future, potentially as another loaned player with an option to buy uh, next season. So we will look at Joe Willick as his loan would expire in June. He would then uh, come back as a loan signing in July uh, and then, potentially uh, become a permanent member of Newcastle United for a price tag of 20 million pounds. And so there's a lot of debate as to whether or not Joe Willick is worth 20 million pounds. Greg, I don't, I don't know if we've ever actually had this discussion. Uh, Joe Willick is a player that I know you weren't super pumped about, but I don't know if he's made you eat your words, but he certainly had a couple of key goals since he's scored since he's uh since he's joined the squad yeah I, don't, I wouldn't say he's worth 20 mil but i would say he could be worth like like isaac Hayden money that's probably Is what isaac Hayden not a 20 million pound player to you nah he's like a 13 to 15 it's interesting because i think that that number 20 million pounds today is so different than it was four years ago. Yeah, true. Like it's it like when you think about it, it's actually kind of wild that we got Alan St. Maximum for 20 million pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'm curious. I, I feel like at this state, I mean, I think obviously you've got your British bias in, in, in full effect here with Joe Willock, but I could see him being educated uh, on transfer market. It's uh, he's valued at 11 mil. Isaac Hayden. Hmm. Just interesting. All right. What's next? Uh, I'm checking Joe Willick real quick. He's valued at 17.6. So, so he again, also younger. That's probably the biggest thing yeah. for him is that he's younger. Yeah. 20 mil seems steep, but I also would like to see Joe Willick for an entire season in Newcastle, potentially under a different manager. But I do think like, he could be an out-and-out starter for Newcastle if he played the whole season. So. Yeah. Um, let's let's do some youth updates, shall we? Sure. Uh, we have first thing to note is Newcastle United women. They they got a big win. They scored a lot of goals. Um, they scored nine of them. So that was that was great. <clears throat> we'll take that NUFC women. If you ever want to beat people nine to one, let us know. We'll, we'll go for it. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to find the list 
here. Let's see if I can find the. No, they don't. They didn't have. They don't have the list of every single goal scorer. Also, I was going to shout them out, but we'll do that some other time. Then going to uh, the FA Youth Cup. So as we mentioned, um, Newcastle are in the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup. We are playing Aston Villa. Uh, they just beat Burton Albion nine nothing in the previous round. Uh, so shouts to that. That's going to take place on May 1st. Um, and then, so some youth updates. So first is our man, Elliot Anderson, uh, had an unreal free kick goal to beat uh, Watford to get into the quarterfinals. So shout out to Elliot Anderson, but um, some other updates. Wolves U23s crushed our U23s for nothing, uh, but there was some new sightings. One is, um, there was like formal confirmations finally of our U18 and U23 players. A lot of academy changes were made, but so Monday we got announced for U23 that they featured their sixth trialist and it was Everton's Dylan Thompson. Um, And they recently signed Matty Bonswell. He made his debut against, against Wolves. Both players are 18. Uh, And then at there's two youngsters that are appearing for U18 games as trialists. One is striker Jay Turner Cook, and the other is Sean Malvadidi, uh, Sean's brother. So Sean Malvadidi is 16. Steffi or Steffi Malvadidi is playing for Montpellier. Also played for Arsenal and Juventus. So uh, he was actually just released from Arsenal's academy, though. And then just another update with our. Academy changes. So the club finally confirmed that Joe Joyce is no more. Um, it was reported in February that he was no more, but the club finally confirmed it. Not sure why it took so long. And Steve Harper has taken over for that. That is the youth updates. It's a lot of, a lot of updating. Yeah. Uh, let's take another break and let's preview our upcoming match against West Ham. We'll be right back. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, Elijah, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's see what's going on with West Ham. So a couple things... Uh, we are trying to go for our third double. Shout out to us. Uh, we beat West Ham in our first match of the season, and we're looking to, to complete that for now. So we'll let's talk about lineups first. Just on the injury front for Newcastle, we have Fabian Chairs out, Isaac Hayden's out, Jamal LaSalle's is out, and Ryan Fraser's out. For West Brom, Ogbana's out, Yarmolenko's oh, out. What's what? West Ham. What I said? Who did I say? You, you said West Brom. Oh, West Ham. Yes. Ogbonna's out. Yarmolenko's out for West Ham. Declan Rice is out. Darren Randolph is out. And it seems like Michael Antonio is might not play. Yeah, um, he's got a hamstring like, injury. Yeah. I don't think he's coming back till the end of April. Uh, Noble's out as well. Um, I think you said Randolph, uh, Declan Rice, of course. 
and Cresswell, I think, is one you didn't say. So that okay. actually is a, a couple key misses for West Ham. A, yeah. a, a fair bit of starters. Uh, again, it's not Jack Realish. If Jack Realish was out, that'd be quite wonderful because yeah. um, we don't like him around these parts. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. And West Ham's a weird team because you look at them and you're just still, no matter what time of the day, what time of the, like, what time of the night, whatever, you're still just shocked that they are somehow in fourth place. You're like, how, like they, they shouldn't be. You're, you're like, literally, they have a chance to leapfrog Lester. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of wild. So I'm curious to see what happens here because like my gut is saying West Ham is not good, but like you look at the table and you look at logic and you're like, well, no, this is a good team. So I'm, I don't know, Greg, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, well, we have to tell the people what's going to happen. So what does – so one, how do you think Newcastle is going to line up and what do they have to do to win? I think you go with the 5-3-2 with Callum and, and ASM on top. I, the 5-3-2 has worked. Um, it seems like it's going to be the bread and butter going forward. There's not really much reason to change it. It's not like the 4-4-2, and I kind of touched on this in my article. 4-2 was great for a couple of matches, but – Newcastle ultimately struggled with it down the stretch. So yeah, sure. Work with, you know, work on the five, five, three, two, knowing that you do need a uh, three center backs to sort of cover for the fact that you don't have Isaac Hayden anymore. So yeah, work with the five, three, two, um, same lineup as last time. Again, Sands, you know, Joel Linton and Dwight Gale, I think we'll go with, um, We'll go with uh, Alton Maxman and Callum Wilson. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I think that's that's kind of all I need to say regarding that in terms of, like, injuries and all that kind of stuff. West Ham definitely have a couple of injuries that, like, that, they, that they have to work through. But, again, it's going to be a tough match um, overall. Yeah. They're, they're, it's, I mean, we kind of joke about it, but it's no mistake that they're in fourth place. Like, they deserve to be there. They've played well. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Let's just uh, let's just get into it. Um, yeah. What what's your prediction on this one? Yeah, I'm going to go two one Newcastle. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Woo! I hope that Newcastle wins. That's part of the reason. But I do think there's there's just a slight twitch in me that says that West Ham are going to concede a goal. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, you look at their form; it's been okay, but they've let in a lot of goals. You know, they've won a few matches, but they've let in at least two goals in their last three matches. Um, they haven't had a clean chips, clean sheet, and uh, uh, you know, besides the uh, Man United match, I want to say, um, where they lost one nothing, but they gave up three to Arsenal. They gave, they gave up three to no way. They gave up two to Wolves, gave up two to Leicester. So, I mean, I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility to say, like, hey, this team, they are good but they could let in goals every so often. So I'm going to go that route 100% and say West Ham's going to let in a goal or so and Newcastle is going to win 2-1. Okay. Um, so I'm going 2 nothing West Ham on this one. And I, West Ham's just killing it right now. So good for, good for them. Uh, and 538, what they predict, they have a – West Ham has a 51% chance of uh, beating us, a 24% chance to draw, and a 25% chance of a Newcastle win. That's it. Um, 
Anything else you want to add, Elijah? No, I, I mean, nothing crazy. I, I hope that we've beaten West Ham. That'd yeah. Be, that'd be cool. That uh, would be cool. That, nothing. I'm chilling. All right. All right. Well, that's going to conclude this. This episode 173 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. He's the best damn coast in the land. Elijah Newsom. And we'll see you next week. Let's get three points and away the lap.